0: And she looked at me and and said, you're doomed.
1: From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature. Real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. We've got a really great new episode coming your way on December 12th. And while we put the finishing touches on it, Here's an episode from a few years ago that's been re scored. Before we get into the story, we're in our year end fundraiser. If you'd like to help human nature tell stories about what nature means to humans and why wild places matter, you can donate at our website, humannaturepodcast.org. For a $25 gift, we'll send you a t shirt, and everyone who donates gets a sticker. This time, we'll hear about a man who takes a trip. Patrick Dobson was feeling stuck in his life in Kansas City. He had a young daughter, but he lived alone. His relationships weren't working out. And he was working a dead-end job.
0: It was in this state of distraction as I was painting this floor that I suddenly looked up and realized that I'd painted myself into the middle of the floor just like in an old Max Sennett movie. <laughs> uh, real sort of cliche kind of thing, but it happened, and I really felt a sense of despair at that moment.
1: That's when Patrick knew something had to change. So he decided to take a long walk to figure things out.
0: When I decided to walk to Montana, I let out the news very slowly. And uh, when I decided to tell my daughter's mom... My daughter's brother's sitting there. He's not my son, but uh, he's her brother. He was in sixth grade, and they were studying the Lewis and Clark Expedition. And he looked at me and he said, well, if you're going to be all the way in Montana, why don't you canoe back on the Missouri River? And I was like, no, that's not going to happen.
1: But when he got up the next morning, he changed his mind. So he sent out some letters looking for a donated canoe.
0: Bear Creek Canoes in Limerick, Maine, called and said he was laying up a new boat and wanted to know how it worked in the water. And he shipped it to Helena, Montana for me. He sent a life jacket and $40 for me to buy paddles. I had never been in a canoe before, uh, except for one drunken weekend about 10 years before. And uh, when I walked off my porch on May 1st, 1995, I was walking into a world that I really wasn't prepared for.
1: But between his porch and Helena, Patrick had to walk 1,300 miles.
0: By the time I got to Helena, I realized that I hadn't really let myself think about the river trip at all. And uh, I was really scared. I had no idea on how to how to canoe the river. I had no idea how I was going to get my boat from Helena to Kansas City. When I was in Helena, I went to the sporting goods store that took delivery of my canoe. The boat was 16 feet long. It had very shallow draft, and it was purple. It was grape. Purple. And uh, the guys in, in Helena, Montana at the sporting goods shop said that they'd never seen a canoe that was so ridiculously colored as that one. Now, I didn't think it was ridiculous. I thought it was cool because it was my boat. And I asked them, I said, can I get a canoe lesson? Is there somebody I can get a canoe lesson from? And they recommended me to this guy who was, they said, well known in Montana for his whitewater canoeing skills. So we met on a particular day, put the boat on his truck, and we went to a pond in, in Helena City Park, and put my boat in, and he, for the next hour, yelled at me while I zigzagged across the lake, and he tried to show me how to do a J-stroke, and I couldn't get it right, and he would yell at me that, you know, he can't understand how come I couldn't get the J-stroke right. and. He told me to sweep, and I swept and turned the boat over. And he told me to pry, and I pried and turned the boat over again. So after this really humiliating hour, uh, we got the boat back on the truck, and I tried to give him 20 bucks. And he just said, no, man, forget it. Uh, I just consider this saving your life. And... uh, And then I asked him, have you ever been on the Missouri River? He said, oh, no, I'd never go out there. It's too dangerous.
1: Patrick was almost ready to start his trip. He sat on a bench next to the river, working up the courage to get into his boat.
0: A group of trucks drives down into the boat access, and they're carrying trailers with McKenzie drift boats on them. And the workers start unloading these boats and getting them in the water. And there's a bunch of dudes standing around. And and dudes, in the real sense of the word, these were all city guys who had their latest Orvis fly fishing gear on. And uh, the woman who was in charge of the whole thing, after everybody got in the water and was away, came over and sat down on my bench with me and asked me what I was doing there. And I told her that I'd walked all the way from Kansas City and that I was going to canoe back to Kansas City on the river. And she looked at my gear and uh, just basically said, you don't know what you're doing, do you? (laughs) And I said, I did so? And she looked at me and and said, you're doomed. I took off the next morning, and uh, I barely knew how to maneuver my boat. But because of the current, the river really took me where it wanted me to go. And that first day was very successful. I mean, at least I thought. Uh, about halfway through the day, I began to think, hey, I can, I can really do this. I, I know how to make my boat go from one side of the, the river to the other. And uh, And I really began to gain confidence. And about halfway through the day, I find myself sort of getting comfortable, laying back in the boat, reading, and then dozing off, and I got to to sleep pretty heavily, and suddenly the boat reared up, and I came to, literally came to, grabbed my paddle, and I'm in the middle of a thunderstorm. And heavy winds, and uh, the, the water's being pushed back upstream in these big waves, and and uh, the lightning begins, and then the hail begins. I can't figure out whether I'm supposed to take shelter uh, under the, the, the cut bank or over on the lee bank. And the lee bank has these big cottonwoods and these willow trees, and it gotten dark, and I finally just let the wind and the river and my paddling take me into the willows under those cottonwoods, and I've seen cottonwoods break up in heavy storms. And sure enough, a branch off one of those cottonwoods breaks and lands about a foot away from the canoe. And it wasn't just a branch or, you know, a a twig. I mean, this was telephone pole size branch. The hail begins to let up and then the rain begins to let up and I come out of my ball and it just is a feeling of relief, relaxing all those muscles and and realizing that I was still alive. I get back into the stream and as soon as I round a corner, not 200 yards away from Where I was stuck in the storm was the place I wanted to camp that night, and I erupted into uh, just hilarity because here I was thinking that I was going to lose my life, and I was so far away from everything, and then right around the corner was the town of Ulm, Ulm, Montana.
1: In Ulm, Patrick met a couple, Jim and Diane. They were members of a local canoe club and offered to drive him around a dam.
0: They took me the next day to Fort Benton and I overnighted there and then took off the next day into the Upper Missouri Wild and Scenic River. And of course the Upper Missouri Wild and Scenic is starkly beautiful and um, a place where I was more alone than any other time in my life. There's no filters. There's nothing that stands in the way of me looking inside myself, I began to think about things like being a father and uh, how I could be a better worker. And I really began to get to know myself probably in ways that I'd never done before uh, because I'd never been so alone.
1: Patrick's view of the river was changing too.
0: When I put the canoe in the river, I still had my childhood notions of the river in my head. I'd only known the river through stories, and most of them bad stories. Somebody got run over by a barge, a boat sank, anglers died, people drowned, it was polluted, it flooded, uh, it did all kinds of nasty things, that it was big and that it was dangerous and that it would somehow claim me if I let it. In some way, I had to fight it. I found out very quickly that I didn't need to fight the river. As a matter of fact, when I fought the river, that's when I had the most difficulties. The river took on a life of its own, and I began to know it in its nuances.
1: But then the river began to look different. In the Great Plains, the Missouri River is 700 miles of dammed reservoirs, more like lakes than a river. No current, plenty of wind.
0: And I had heard these terrible stories about, you know, people on these lakes and how they couldn't get across and how they'd become windbound and all of that. Well, my first day in the lake, I made 24 miles and I thought, well, I've got this thing licked. This is an incredible experience. All this stuff about the lakes must be untrue. And so I'm having a great time and I almost start a forest fire accidentally and, uh, (laughs) Uh, and the next day I get up, and that's when the winds began. And I made it about a mile that next day.
1: Coming up, Patrick battles the wind and comes back into contact with human civilization. We're pausing our story just briefly to ask you to support human nature. The show is produced by a non public radio station, and listener donations power the storytelling you hear. We're all living in a time where nature, the wild world, is shrinking. On Human Nature, we're creating a space where we can all stop and think about why nature matters and how it defines us as humans. If these stories matter to you, you can help us tell more. Make a donation at humannaturepodcast.org and everyone who gives will get a sticker. If you can give $25 or more, we'll send you a t-shirt too. And thanks to the generous listeners who have given already. You know who you are. And your dollars are at work every time you hear the show. Back to Patrick. We left him struggling to make headway across a large reservoir.
0: And I spent the next three or four days paddling for hours to make 100 yards, 200 yards. As a matter of fact, at the end of... Five days, I decided I was going to go back to my campsite to get a pocket knife that I'd left there. And it took me a half an hour to walk back to my campsite that I was at five days before. And I thought, you know, that it would just be easier to put the boat on my shoulders and walk. But I decided one day that I would get up and paddle in the dark, which was one of the things that really scared me, to paddle at night. I got up very early before the sun. It was still dark, and I was able to make quite a few miles before the dawn. And when the dawn came, the lake really began to rise and swell. It was a rainstorm, a, a big, terrible thunderstorm. I actually got to see a water spout come across the lake right toward me, and, uh, I was standing outside the tent, and I was really excited. I had this sort of John Muir moment where I was sort of feeling the electricity of the storm and letting it pulse through me and all this. And suddenly something clicked, and it said to me, you better get in out of the rain. And sure enough, I, I get into the tent, and the big wind comes up and the hail and so on and so on. Lightning is striking so close that the sound, of course, comes synonymous with the light. And it was so loud and so percussive that it just drove these screams out of me. Every time the lightning would strike, I'd scream. The storm, uh, over time, uh, became just a rain, and I got out of the tent and sat and looked at the lake under the starlight and uh, really had this beautiful moment when I was deciding that the next morning I would get up in the dark and then take off and try to get in as many miles as I could. That day, I did my first open water crossing, so you can't go down the, the shores of the lake or else you'd be going really hundreds and hundreds of miles, so you have to make these long open water crossings between the arms of the lake. And that was, that was harrowing because then once I got out from the shore, uh, I was in full barrel wind and I was cursing and I even cursed the name of Franklin Delano Roosevelt because under his administration this lake was built.
1: Hundreds of miles of FDR's reservoirs were still ahead of Patrick. That's when he decided the only way he could finish the trip was to bypass all those reservoirs.
0: I had to realize my limitations and really allow the trip to become the thing it was on its own rather than something I thought it was supposed to be.
1: So Patrick found a man in Williston, North Dakota, willing to drive him the 650 miles to Yankton, South Dakota.
0: When I took off from Yankton, I was back into a part of the river that I was familiar with. Uh, There were lots of human-made sounds, uh, railroads, cars, industries, those kinds of things, and it really took uh, a couple of days of getting used to after having been on the upper Missouri and having uh, having it been so quiet with only natural sounds, with only sounds of, of animals. But I kind of relished it. I really did kind of like this mix of human and nature together because even though those sounds were all around me, the way that the river works made me feel as if I could have been a thousand miles away from them at the same time. After all, nobody's looking for you on the river. No one knows you're out there. And, And so I had this feeling of being close into society Uh, yet very, very distant from it. And by this time, I also have this feeling that I want to go home. You know, I want to go home and I want to be with my kid, but I don't want to go home because that means getting a job and that means perhaps getting back into the same sorts of routines and the same kinds of frustrations that I had before. And, And it also meant leaving what was really becoming this perfect life on the river. And I had... This feeling of really wanting the river to be longer, you know, if it somehow it could stretch itself out by itself so that I wouldn't get to Kansas City.
1: In Omaha, Patrick met another man who was on a similar trip, except this man was not having a good time. So Patrick suggested they float together for the last leg of the trip.
0: I almost always just say it was two weeks of perfect life. We did whatever we wanted to do. If we got to a sandbar we liked, we stayed two nights. I mean, it doesn't take two weeks to get to Kansas City from from Omaha in a canoe. But we took every bit of two weeks to get there. We didn't put on our shoes except to go into town to buy peanut butter. We swam when we wanted to swim. We fished when we wanted to fish. We shot guns when we wanted to shoot guns. It was just, it was really the perfect life. and. When I arrived in Kansas City, I was excited uh, to see my daughter, but very disappointed that the, that the trip had ended.
1: What was it like to, to step out of the canoe for the last time?
0: You felt, it felt in a way that I was saying goodbye to an old friend. Uh, in some ways, I had formed that boat to me, but more importantly, that boat had formed me to it so that I had become familiar with it, and it fit me like a glove. I had become comfortable with myself on this trip. I'd learned a lot uh, about myself at the very end. All of my fears that I'd sort of stacked up uh, over the river were largely unfounded. The river I had a feeling would always be there for me. Uh, It would always be there when I wanted to return. I almost felt like I needed to start on another trip almost immediately.
1: Did you ever learn the J-stroke?
0: I, uh, no. I still don't know how to do a (laughs) (laughs) J-stroke. I wind up paddling on both sides of the boat, and it gets me where I'm going just fine.
1: Our storyteller was Patrick Dobson. You can read more about his adventure in his book, Canoeing the Great Plains. Patrick is now married and has adopted a son. If you enjoyed this story, consider supporting the show at humannaturepodcast.org. I'm Caroline Ballard. This episode was produced by Aaron Jones, Ryan Oberhelman, Anna Rader, and Micah Schweitzer. The theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media.